It's another Acoustic Alternatives from Grove Studios in Ypsilanti, the home of the podcast since it began, oh gosh, three years ago now. Uh, Chris DuPont was my first guest, and he ties in nicely with my guest today because Chris said, hey, you should interview Joanna Sterling. New record coming out. It's coming out on the 17th or 18th of August with a CD release show at the Ark. So it is my pleasure to welcome to uh, the Grove Studios, Joanna Sterling. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure, and I've had a chance to listen to Queen of Wands before it's out. I feel privileged to have been uh, given a chance to hear it before the rest of the world. Uh, before we dig into your world and find out more about you, why don't we start with the song? All right. Did we, good. we didn't talk about how many songs you were going to do, three or four? Uh, whatever you want. Let's go four. Okay, sounds good. What are you starting with? Yeah, this song's called Honesty. Say you want love, say you want loyalty. With a heart it can betray you when you least expect it, baby. See one peace, see one harmony. Well, love is a battle and there is always at least one casualty. See one trust, see one honesty. Well, honestly, I'm not sure if you're ready, if you can handle me. Get up, get up, get up before the truth. Don't ask, don't tell, don't break this fragile illusion You're gonna wish you stayed at home And I will always be alone But that's what we get, we get for being honest Say you want love True love is pain, for which there ain't no remedy. So you want fun, darling, I'm a tragedy. I'll make you scream, I'll make you cry. Get your tissues ready, ready. Get out, get out, get out before the truth sinks in. Don't ask, don't tell, don't break this fragile illusion. You're gonna wish you stayed at home, and I will always.
that's what we get for being honest. A standout track from the new album Queen of Wands due out uh, very soon from Joanna Sterling on Acoustic Ultras. Thanks for doing that. It's, a, a again, a standout cut as I oh, thank you. listened to the record several times in the preparation for chatting with you. And we'll, we'll get into talking about the record and mm-hmm. the, the CD release show. But uh, before I do that, have you to put you on the spot here, watched mm-hmm. or listened to previous Acoustic Alternatives podcast. Oh, yes, so I definitely you, have. So you know that I'm going to dig a little deeper into your life and then go forward, right? Let's do it. Let's I'm, do it. I'm so, here for it. <laughs> okay, good. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Ann Arbor. Oh, really? Yeah, okay, so. I'm a townie. Yay! So, okay. Yeah. So I remember you well from 1071, <laughs> my favorite radio station. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. It was it was a great place to work. Uh, I enjoyed yeah. being part of the staff and I'm, mm-hmm. you know. I am sad that the pandemic took my job away, but yeah, things happen. The pandemic took so much from us, like overall, right? <laughs> it did. But it also yeah. led to a new opportunity, which is the chance to do something. I mean, there, I got to do interviews like this. They were mm-hmm. kind of limited to 20, 25 minutes. Here, it's a free form, right? It's I can do it as long as I want. Yeah. I had, I've had some that have lasted 47 minutes. I've had an hour and 45 minutes. So it really depends on what we you know, what the, how the conversation goes. So right. Ann Arbor was where you grew up. So uh, what did you do for fun that wasn't music when you were a kid? Oh my gosh. Well, I was kind of a weird kid. I was like always in my imagination. <laughs> I would like go out and like talk to trees, you know. I was like very, I love nature. Um, I really loved art. I was kind of a quiet, introverted kid. So a lot of like arts and crafts, um, a lot of playing with dolls, a lot of, you know, imagination play, things like that. But okay. um, I've always loved music too. Grew up in a very musical family. Um, a lot of really talented musicians on both sides of my mom and dad's extended family. So there was always music around us and, um, it was a big part of like the family culture, if you will. How many of them, I mean, obviously you are trying to make a, well, you have another living, but you're trying to make this part of who you really are. (laughs) Yeah. How many of them did that in the peripheral side of your family? Well, my uncle's like a concert pianist. He went to Eastman and he plays like you know, he lives in Europe now, but he's been very successful with piano. Um, and then my brother's a singer songwriter and he, oh. he makes music. Um, Have I heard of your brother? I don't know. Davis Caruso. Is no, I his. don't think so. So we both kind of chose stage names. <laughs> it's kind of funny. We're both divas a little bit, I guess, <laughs> wanted to have a stage name. So I chose my grandmother's maiden name, Sterling, for, okay. for mine because I was very close to her. And he chose my mom's. Sorry, yeah, my mom's grandma's maiden name for his his uh, stage Interesting. name. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've jumped ahead to a question that's later in the process, but that's okay. I mm-hmm. need to ask you where. Why did you switch from was Ransdell your yeah. your birth name? Mm-hmm. Okay, so right. you, you've moved to a stage name. So the first record, which is out there digitally, yeah, uh, is under the original name. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that uh, made up of songs you wrote? Well, I guess what, what part of your life were you writing those songs that you recorded for that? Oh, debut? are you talking about like the very first one? <sighs> the one that you probably. Don't, you don't seem to Open love it. Fire. I, I found yeah. it. I found it a mention of like. Oh no, you've dug deep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to know more about you. Like I yeah, haven't met you yet. Really, sure. we're meeting for the first time today. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get the backstory on you. So, Open Fire, 2015 debut under the other name. And mm-hmm. district district library article says that you don't think you were confident on mm-hmm. that record. Mm-hmm. How did yeah. you? Do you remember how you felt when you were recording it? I think. Um, I felt good about the songs, uh, about the song writing, 
um, I didn't really feel like I knew much about the recording process. And I really struggled with it initially because, um, you know, playing live is such a different animal. You can kind of feel off the room and kind of everything can kind of be different. You can make a little mistake here and there and it's not going to ruin the vibe. But with recording, it was such a meticulous process of everything has to be in time. Everything has to match with each other, right? So I was really struggling to, because I'm not really like a trained traditional musician. So figuring out like timings, playing to a click track, those kind of things, that was a real struggle. So that that first record um, was was a bit of a learning process, I would say. <laughs> How did you come by playing music? What was your, I mean, other than having people in your family that did it, what was the reason that you decided to play music? So I started with, I've changed it up a lot. I started with a violin when I was five and um, then I kind of played through orchestra in like seventh grade and kind of lost interest and then learned piano kind of in middle school. But I was taking lessons and my teacher was like, mm, you're not really progressing that much. You're not really practicing the the things I'm giving you. I'm not sure what you're going to play for your recital. And I sat down and I was like, well, I've been working on something else and played a Tori Amos song that I had been <laughs> listening to. And she was like, wow, that's actually like, a lot more skilled than oh. some of the things we've been working on. So what I learned about myself was that I'm more of like an auditory and hands-on learner. I wasn't really good at the whole sheet music and music theory side. I was much more just kind of intuitive with how I liked to learn a song. And then that sort of transformed into writing when I was like in high school. Well, so do you remember what kind of stuff you were writing about then? Oh, nothing good. I mean, <laughs> my first so- song, my family makes fun of me all the time. Uh, it was called Larva. It was kind of like using a metaphor of Larva as like a, a bad relationship or something that had gone wrong. So I don't know. I thought it was really deep when I was in high school, but I kind of cringe at it now. <laughs> so it's not, it's not when you're playing in concert these days. Nope. That yeah. one doesn't make the set list much <laughs> these days. Yeah. Understandably, understandably. So when did you switch to guitar then? Um, I switched to guitar when I was living in Alaska. Um, <laughs> I pretty far from Ann Arbor. Yeah, I got a little, uh, you know, cruise line job. Oh. I was working on the dock, actually, not on the ship. But um, you know, piano's not very portable, so I couldn't bring a piano really? with me, right? I'm surprised, <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised by that. So I actually brought a mandolin and thought I'm just going to teach myself mandolin this summer. Did not work out. That's a very hard instrument. It's a lot of <laughs> So, but I had a roommate who had a guitar and I just started playing it and I totally fell in love. It just became like my outlet for the summer that I was there. And when I got home, I, uh, you know, kind of delved more into that. And I think I play guitar a lot more now than I do piano. Did you teach yourself then guitar? Um, well, I had taken a couple like introductory lessons in high school actually, Ah. but it didn't really stick. And then, um, but that was a good, you know, foundation. Um, and then I was able to kind of just expand a little bit on my own. I actually took lessons, though, from Chris DuPont hey. over the pandemic. Huh. So I got, huh. got a little more skills through hmm. through that experience. Well, very good. That's good. He's a good person to learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, so then eventually uh, you're, you've written a solo album, which we don't talk about, even though we already did. <laughs> then you form a band called The Jaywalkers. And here's the CD. I'm not sure which camera can see it, but uh, the CD called The Open Sea Before Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you form a band? What, what was the impetus for that? 
Yeah, so I had a friend from high school who had collaborated with me on the first album, and I met another friend who played drums, and the three of us just decided, like, let's just jam, like, you know, just for fun, because we all love music, and I said, I have a few songs I've been working on, and we started working with them, and we were like, oh, this is actually kind of sounding cool, like, maybe we should make a band, so we ended up kind of building this little uh, ensemble, I ended up getting my friend from Eastern to join. Her name's uh, April, and she's got a band in Chicago now, Pink Squeeze. They're awesome. Um, but yeah, so the four of us started Joanna and the Jaywalkers, and I was in grad school, so it was kind of a very um, just occasional thing that I was doing on the side. But once I graduated, I was like, it's time. I want to make an album. Yeah. I mean, I remember yeah. seeing the name on like various venue lists when I was in charge of the 1071 concert calendar. I was looking for. I heard you say that on the Chris DuPont podcast episode. And I was like, oh, my gosh, John Bomarito's heard my name. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> of course. It's because I was trying to pay attention to what was going on around me in the scene. I, yeah. I like supporting the local music scene because we have, I mean, Michigan, if you hadn't noticed. It's so great. So much talent here. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, it is kind of fun. When I look at the uh, the numbers, like who's watched or listened to which episodes, my local ones actually do better than some of the national artists yes. that I've had. It's kind of cool to okay. see. So it, it's partially because someone like you is going to say, hey, look, I was on the podcast and you'll promote yes, it. I'll tell Somebody everyone. like Glenn <laughs> Phillips from Tilda West Rocket, who was great to talk to, didn't do a damn thing about promoting it for me because he doesn't need the help. Right. He doesn't care. He just did it because, you know, mm-hmm. he's a nice guy. So for sure. It's anyway, it's not about me. It's about you. How do we talk about me? Stop talking about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm a therapist, so I kind of I'm really yes. good at switching. Yes, thank you for focus. that. Yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> yeah. later. <laughs> Maybe we should transition yeah, to do another yeah. another song. Queen of Wands is a new record coming out on the 18th of August. CD release show at the Ark in Ann Arbor. Uh, full band at the show. Oh yeah, we got the full band. Have you done many performances as a solo artist like you're doing for me right now with these new songs? Um. Let's see. I actually did last week. I went to like kind of a little camping event and there was like music at it. Um, So I did a little solo set. It was really fun. Yeah, I like the solo stuff, too. Getting used to playing these songs out because they're still fairly new, right? A lot of them are actually kind of old, but some of them are brand new. Yeah, it's like spanning a large kind of range of time. What song would you like to do next? Uh, I'm going to do the newest single. It's called So Afraid. Great. I love this song. Oh, thank you. Okay. step back just so I can get one last look at you before you fire away who knows how long with tears in your eyes you say goodbye I know somewhere, somewhere deep inside, you feel just like I do. So, why 
stars upon our days upon days, months upon years. All the secrets I kept to myself, never told you, dear. The words I wanted to say before you were gone made your great escape. Cause it scared you too much to say. But what are you so? great song Thank and you. on the album when it comes out it has Chris DuPont on it singing along with you and uh, that actually is already available on Bandcamp to purchase right if I remember correctly that is true you and, can purchase it and the video has already been featured once maybe twice by now on mm-hmm. the Acoustic Alternatives playlist so maybe fans of the show are already familiar with it a little bit from hearing oh, it nice. that way mm-hmm. uh we didn't really talk about who influenced you. You mentioned Tori Amos, but that one has strong, to me, has strong hints of Amy Mann. I don't know if you're an I Amy Mann. I love Amy Mann. Okay. But yeah. I don't know if you, you knew you channeled Amy in that one. I don't know if you know that, but I, I felt like wow. so, first solo album Amy stuff. On wow. That oh, wow. That's such a compliment. Thank you. It should be because that's a great album. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Sure. I, who else? My favorite is Lost in Space. Okay. I know that's like mid-career Amy, yeah. but you know, like we all resonate with different stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. She's really cool. <laughs> yeah. She's great. Who, who were the people that kind of formed your sound, gave you your voice? Because your voice is very beautiful and unusual. And, oh, and, 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 and I, I, Yeah. Where did it come from? <laughs> it's just inside of you. Um, yeah. I mean, I've always been a real big fan of, you know, storyteller women in music who uh, kind of have like a strength and a courage in their sound and kind of um, listening to people growing up like Tori Amos Sarah McLaughlin. Paula Cole. Oh, love Paula Cole. I mean, Amy Mann, Ani DeFranco was a really big one. Um, PJ Harvey, Alanis Morissette, just that that solo female artist of the 90s. Yeah. I mean, I like some other eras too. Joni Mitchell's another big one. But um, yeah, they really inspired me with their like really honest songwriting 
and how they were singing, but not singing like everybody else. And it kind of encouraged me to explore singing because, you know, I grew up in the era of American Idol where I felt like you have to be this sort of booming, you know, one kind of voice to make it in music or, or to want to be heard. And yeah. I think growing up, I was I learned that I can kind of be softer and I can have my own sort of like idiosyncrasies in my voice and kind of celebrate them, you know? Yeah, because there's only a couple of Celine Dion's and Whitney Houston's of the world. I Love them, but right, but can't, they're, they're, can't they're, all be them. No, not everybody's <laughs> Mariah Carey. I mean, it's just there's, there's only a few of those, and that's exactly. okay because we need the others too. Right, for sure. So what is So Afraid inspired by? What was, what was the, are you? That one is, like, it's about so many different things to me now because I initially wrote it when I was 19, the the little riff that became the chorus, and it was just about, like, a crush on, on a guy I had that I couldn't talk to him about it. It was, like, a very kind of, like, high school theme, but then... A situation kind of happened later in my adult life where I kind of lost a friendship that was really important to me. So it wasn't even a romantic situation, but that feeling of loss, I was like trying to kind of capture it in a song. And that one sort of returned to me after being dormant for like a decade. So it kind of came back and did did a little bit of its healing magic. But now when I play it and sing it, um, I really feel like in a way I'm kind of singing to myself because I feel like there's a lot of fear just in our world. And I'm a person who can tend to feel anxious and afraid a little bit more than I'd like. So I feel like that song kind of has been comforting for me to just sort of sing to myself, like, what are you so afraid of? Just like put yourself out there, go do things, you know, um, so you know take ther- risks. <laughs> therapeutic for you and others, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you could be singing it to me for all you know. Right. And that's why I wanted to share it. And I'm so glad it's out in the world now. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Lovely. Well, we're going to continue talking about the new record, but I'm going to back up to this one for a second because okay. we, didn't, we didn't talk about it for very long. Yeah. Uh, first of all, are you going to like pretend this doesn't exist anymore like the first album? No, or? I love that album. <laughs> I really do. Okay. <laughs> that one I'm good. very proud of. It is good. Yeah, but I mean, the J. Walkers. Did you get any tickets as a jaywalker? Because that's legal, you know. You can't. I mean, in Ann Arbor, though, I feel like no, everybody that's jaywalks. That's so. true. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where the name came from. <laughs> There's a pretty, pretty. I mean, just mentioned in another interview as well, but it's a pretty nautical themed mm-hmm. record. You didn't grow up on the sea. You grew up in Ann Arbor. There's trees, not water. That's well. There's great lakes. I know, you know? but like, <laughs> did you spend a lot of time on the water? Is that? I mean, you've got a mermaid. No, it. actually, like I'm terrified of the water. Oh, okay. Well, so, that, that's not. This is not says I'm terrified of water. This says yes, it it does right because <laughs> I feel like with music and with kind of putting myself out there, it was kind of like charting the unknown sea, right? Of just like what is it going to be like to kind of be vulnerable and go deep and expose, you know, the inner workings of my heart and mind with others, right? So the the ocean is sort of a metaphor for like your emotional life that you're kind of delving into and sharing okay so are you yeah. more of a mermaid or a zombie i think i'm kind of a combo because mermaid yeah. and zombie are both on mm-hmm. here i wanted to know which one really resonates probably a mermaid yeah i love mermaids I, I have a tattoo of one so I maybe like you're I a pirate are you a pirate there's pirates on there too no the pirates are bad in this story we don't like the pirates okay. in this one <laughs> yeah we don't like pirates every now and then i get to dj for a 
it's a pirate's ball. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I mean, it's not weird. It's just like I didn't know that was a hobby. I mean, I know it, to be a pirate. To be a pirate, it's a hobby for some people, and they hire me to do DJ their event sometimes. Wow, they go dancing, and it's like okay, I guess everybody has their hobby, right? But uh, mm-hmm. not here. They're bad pirates. Not no, not in this album. So these songs still make it into your shows too. Sometimes. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, so. definitely. In case anybody's going to the Ark thinking, oh no, name change. We've gone from birth name to join the Jaywalkers and now to join. Like, can we follow <laughs> along, please? Yeah, it's, it's probably not the best marketing strategy to have all three albums different names, but I think we're, we've landed on one I'm going to stick with <laughs> okay. for the future album. So okay, good. <laughs> we've, we've hit our destination. You're also still, I mean, a fairly new artist in, in yeah. when it comes down to it. So in when we look at some artists who have succeeded, you don't hear about them until their third album, but everyone thinks it's their first album. Right, right. That happens a lot in the music industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone, not everyone was Taylor Swift out of the box, right? She started up just like everybody else, mm-hmm. playing small rooms and, and, and making a name for herself and probably has things we've, we can't buy in her collection because sure. they were released before she got signed. And there's there's oh, there's always that in the, in the musical history of an artist. But uh, sure, um, you're well on your way to carving out a little little piece of the scene. And do you plan? I mean, I know you're busy with a full time job doing what you do, mm-hmm. but do you plan on trying to pursue this as a full time? This is what I want to do for a living. Or do you think this is a fun hobby? I can do, you know, two months of the year total. I play shows and then you know. I mean, I would love that um i think that i'm sort of trying to carve out something that just feels uh sustainable for now like of course i love music it hasn't quite gotten to the place where it's paying the bills yet but yeah of course like if if that became a possibility i would like totally jump at that but i actually really do love my job too so if it ends up being that i go on a tour for a couple months here and there and you know continue doing what what i do for for my work um i think i'll be okay with that too so i'm kind of open to the possibilities what would be the ideal like you're opening for a fairly well-known artist tour for you Mm. Who, would you, who would that tour be with? I mean, Tori, for sure. She's okay. my favorite. Did you go but... see her at Meadowbrook? I did, yes. I saw Towers, the opening act at the Ark last year as an opening oh, okay. act for Joshua Radin. Yeah. And it's not super often that an opening act gets me to get up and go by the CD at the merch table that they did. Yeah, they, they were great. Yeah, I didn't see them at the Tori show, but I was like, oh, I didn't know they were on the bill. I would have made more of an effort to go to the show. I've got all of her stuff, but yeah, I yeah. can't do everything. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah, I mean, that would be a nice tour. Do you think? Oh, uh, yeah, I would love that. Okay. Like, Tori, well, maybe Amy Mann. Amy, if you're listening, call me up. Let's throw know? that in the universe. Make it Yeah. <laughs> so do we talked about how your confidence about the first record wasn't very high. You've got this new record coming out. Did you mm-hmm. feel going into this like, no, I'm ready to make a record that I want everybody to hear? Were you more confident? Yes, for was, sure. Was that because of you or because of somebody like Chris who's helping produce it? Were you just ready? I, I feel like this record has been um, just waiting to come out for a very long time. I had a whole plan to start the recording process in 2020. What? I mean... There was no such year as 2020. You, you know, <laughs> we all know how that probably turned out. But it ended up kind of like... I trust now in divine timing because it ended up being perfect because new songs came out of the last few years that wouldn't have been on that album that are some of my absolute favorites now. And I feel like it's woven together to be this this story and this narrative and very autobiographical 
um, that I'm just like, if this is the one album I make, like this is it. Like I'm just very, very excited about it. Did you choose Chris because you like his work? Did he choose working with you because he saw you? How did you guys end up working together? Chris DuPont, yeah. So I'm definitely a fan of his from earlier on, just seeing him play out shows in Ipsy and Ann Arbor. Um, he's a, a, an incredibly intuitive and emotional um, performer, and I just really respect also the way that He's so honest and engaging with the crowd, but also like puts people at ease mm. so easily. And I'm like, yeah, I really need to take some notes from this guy. <laughs> um, but I saw he posted that like I'm taking on new guitar students, and I was like, oh my gosh, this would be cool to learn from, you know, somebody I really admire in the scene. And yeah, we just hit it off. We became friends through the process of taking guitar lessons. And I was like, you know, I've had this album. I don't think I'm gonna make it because it's the pandemic. And he's like, oh, tell me about it. And he's like, yeah, I really love like Sarah McLachlan, Tori Amos. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we should collab on this. So it just ended up working out that, you know, he really got the vision of the album. And he did just such an amazing job, you know, working with me and my band to, to make it a reality. Did you work in his home or did we go to like an outside studio to do the recordings? We did both. We did Solid Sound okay. in Ann Arbor. Mm -hmm. uh, Eric Wojohn, who's awesome, he actually engineered the first record, the, the, well, the Joanna and the Jaywalkers record. And uh, we did a lot of the tracking there with my string players, who are a really integral part of the record. Um, and then we moved to Chris's house for like vocals and other instruments, other sort of accoutrements, if you will. Did you have the arrangements in your head, like how you wanted it to sound? Or did Chris kind of guide, like, I'm not sure what I want to do with this. Can you help me? And did you do that a lot? Or did you come in with, I want this? Make yeah, this it was happen. a little of both. I mean, there was definitely times I was like, I would love piano on this track, or I would love a little extra, you know, electric guitar here. Or like, can you really like bring out the strings on this part but then chris would be like hey i just threw like a mandolin here i threw a synth here what do you think and i'm like i love it you know so he definitely added his flair the vision parts. was partial his i get you for okay. sure um i i feel like there's more than just he and you singing on the record i, I don't have credits yet because you've just sent me digital files so i don't know who's playing on the record and who's singing on the record but, but at one point i feel like that's a different voice, unless that's you singing in a different. Oh, Mel, yeah. Okay, because sorry. Okay, I can't tell. <laughs> who, who else is who else is playing on the, and singing on the record then? Yeah, so Mel Clark is my backup vocalist, and they are just an amazing singer. Um, we sing in kind of similar ranges, so it's really fun harmonizing. That's why I wasn't sure if it just yeah. wasn't you doing a different tone. We have some songs where we'll like switch parts, and it's like who's singing, you know, <laughs> um, because we kind of have that similar sort of like. Uh, tone, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, my longest time collaborator who's on the Jaywalkers album, Anthony Marquis, uh, he's my cello player and one of my best friends. So of course, he was um, really instrumental and in not just the funny Playing, pun, uh, but um, in, in <laughs> the recording. I think there's a drum roll. Wait, I think there's a drum roll. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's not it. What is it? Oh, I don't have them up. Hold on. <laughs> There we go. I've never used yeah. that before. I just thought that was there today. Okay, go ahead. But yeah, he he also helped a lot with like the actual arranging of all the string parts and, um, you know, the creation of the songs even. And then Lauren Pulsifer on violin, um, Adam Harsvi on bass. They're both amazing string players. Um, and then Amin Lancer, who plays in Stormy Cromer, really great band around here. He was 
kind enough to work with me on this project and he's like filled in here and there for some shows you know when he has the time he's so busy with his band but he's such a talented player um and i think that's the band is that who's playing the arc too who you just named up is that essentially so um i mean in and lauren unfortunately can't be there but we're gonna have um, a new drummer his name's daniel mcdonald he's been really awesome to collaborate with this summer um and then chris is gonna be playing awesome. so yeah well guess who's put it on their calendar already yes you gotta I haven't be bought my ticket yet but <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna walk up and buy one at the door sorry that's easy. for sure for sure <laughs> i think it's a good time to do another song all right sounds good what would you like to do this time i'm gonna do um my favorite it's called white horse i have a i have yes there's a lyric there's a lyric in this one i want to talk about okay
Joanna Sterling is my guest on Acoustic Alternatives. We're live in Grove Studios. Well, we're not live. We're recording in Grove Studios, a spot that uh, if you are a musician in the area, get out of the garage and get into the studio. It's a great place to uh, not annoy your neighbors. Come here and practice. Make all the noise you want. There's nobody else in the building right now. You're not hearing them on purpose. But uh, really, it is a place uh, meant for DJs to to jam out in a special room, uh, full bands. There's a large room at one end of the hall and the other end of the hall. If you have a little smaller combo, you can go over there. Look out Grove Studio. Look up Grove Studios if you're a musician in the Ann Arbor, Ipsy, Detroit area. It's a great spot to uh, get yourself out of the garage and make more noise and make things happen elsewhere. That song, by the way, why is it your favorite? First of all, doesn't make any sense that it's my favorite. It's such a sad. It song. is a very sad song. <laughs> but I don't know. It's like I. Um, I wrote it about an experience I had in Alaska, like I referenced earlier, and it was just sort of this desolate kind of feeling of like, I'm never going to find love. I'm just going to be all by myself for the rest of my life and like, you know, um, just giving up on human connection. And um, I don't know, it's like playing it. I've had so many people come up to me and like respond so well to it and you know, my dad told me like it was his favorite and he thought like his mom would love it. And I don't know. Now I just have this sort of warm feeling when I play it of like, maybe we all feel like that sometimes. And, um, maybe it's okay. Um, because you know, if that's part of life, it's just having those moments of like loneliness and isolation. Um, but at the end of the day, like this song has kind of taught me that we're all connected. I might misquote my my line that really reached me when I was listening to it, but it's better to be empty because you've got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I've often felt like that. Yeah. I, I've just never been able to say it like you said it in the song. And mm-hmm. did you feel like when you wrote that lyric down, did you go, oh, that's a good one? Oh, I was like, yes, that's it <laughs> right there. That's I mean, the that, feeling. <laughs> that's kind of the centerpiece of the song for me. Like when you get to that line, I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I get you. Wow. And right. it's a, it is a sad song, but life is sad sometimes. Yeah, for sure. But I think that. But from, I think sometimes like being connected in our common shared experiences with those feelings is important and um, can be healing, you know, so. 
Well, so far from the record, we mentioned that uh, So Afraid, there's a video in Bandcamp available. Uh, you also put out uh, Deep End, right? Is mm-hmm. that in my notes? Uh, I'm not quite sure why you didn't put out your favorite song, because that would have been what I would have done if I were you. But your favorite song, but... I, I just don't like to do things like everybody else, Don. Okay, fine. <laughs> and then Girl by Choice was one of the ones. Yeah. And, and, and that is a powerful song. Mm-hmm. That is a pay attention to and like dig deep into and A, learn a little bit about Joanna the person, but mm-hmm. also did you feel like you were writing an anthem for others when you wrote that? Yeah, for sure. That one came forward and was like, I need to, you know, be on the the front lines marching for justice. So, um, yeah, that one feels like out of all of them, it's it's definitely bigger than just me. So it's really like timely and important for that. um, Just talking about like being an open transgender like person an artist, I was like, I really just want to to give some love to my community and, you know, give give some strength, really, um, to sort of combat a lot of the things that are happening in the world. I think a lot of people that are in that situation would love to hear that song. What have you done about making sure that they do? Because just throwing it up on YouTube and throwing it at Bandcamp, mm-hmm. not quite the way to, to tackle, like, making sure that my yeah. my niece, who used to be my nephew, hears it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's that's I mean I'm I'm going to share it but like yeah. how are you planning on getting it into more ears so that uh, it can be helping or an anthem if you will for others. Well, I actually would love to make a video. Um, so I'm kind of thinking like getting wheels turning about making that happen um, after the album releases done and I would love to you know I've sent it to like radio stations here and there and you know posted on on my sort of social networks about it so I haven't really gotten to the point where I've like really pushed her out there where she needs to be I feel however I did get an email recently from a woman in um, Washington State no connection to like me or anyone I know. And uh, she's a 72 year old trans woman who just Mm. came out, just decided like, I'm going to be me. And um, she told me I could share her story also. But uh, (laughs) she reached out to me personally and said how deeply that song spoke to her and how she, you know, felt like it put in words like years of experiences that she has been not able to share and be open about. And she actually had, I thought this was the coolest idea, she had a vow ceremony to give vows to embrace her new self, right? And like, this is who I am and I'm now like committing myself to to be my authentic self. And she used a line from my song in her vows. Aww. Someone you've never met. Someone I've never met. And I was just... Like, as soon as I got that message, I just felt so validated for why I'm doing this and why I'm putting this music out. Because you have those moments where you're like, are people really going to care? Can I really, like, get this message out there? Like, are people really going to want to listen? But just to have one person, like, feel that way about that song. Um, and I've had a few others reach out and, and share similar, just, like, heartfelt messages. I was like, you know, whether I reach four people or 400,000, you know, that's, that's worth it to me that this song's out there. And I hope that it it finds its way to the people who need it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like the, the world is a different place. Like if you'd released this 30 years ago, it would have been 
I don't know, maybe more controversial than it is now, but there are there are more people talking about it. And it's more of a, an accepting world for it. Not everybody, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need to remind those people that if they're looking in their Bible, love thy neighbors in there nine times. Uh, so right. they should they should remember that. But not everybody does. I mean, they, right. they hide behind whatever they hide behind to not be accepting that this has always been there. You've just mm-hmm. pretended it wasn't. Yeah. People, people have always been gay or transgender or whatever. This yeah. is not a new thing. This is just a thing that we're finally getting to the point where we can talk about it. It's accepting. And yay, that's great. Yeah. Because why are we why do we not like each other just because of who we are like it's it's ridiculous but absolutely for sure and i feel just very privileged i grew up with a family that accepts and supports me 100% i grew up in Ann Arbor which honestly was overall a really nice community to to kind of um find myself in and i had a lot of support through high school when I started my transition, you know, and um, it saddens me that not everybody has that. And I think that hopefully that's changing as we move towards overall and accepting and affirming society. Yeah, I think we are. Yeah. I'm hoping anyway. Yeah, I hope so too. Just be nice to each other. Yeah, just be it. Just be nice. Yeah, really. All right. So uh, education wise, we have something that's sort of a weird like that ties us together. Besides the fact that we have a bunch of mutual friends, and I could be talk about those off the air, um, but here's a here's a weird thing. You went to graduate school at Eastern Michigan University, where I now work. I and you got your degree there. I got my degree at University of Michigan Dearborn, where oh, you wow. now work. Yeah, <laughs> so like, hmm. we just switched places. I think we've, we're probably meant to meet in that regard. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, meant to be. Yes. Do you ever, you, with your career of helping people? As a therapist, or you know, mm-hmm. and that, do you ever find yourself, obviously not using their names, but taking their stories and putting them into your songs at all? Do you ever like borrow from? Not like specific stories, but certainly like emotions. Yeah, I feel like there's been so much I've learned from my clients because it really is such an honor to be trusted to you know hear people's stories and you know have them uh, kind of go through their their trauma and grief and and to sort of walk that path with them so I feel like I've learned a lot about just emotions and healing so that that stuff has definitely made its way into the songs I wouldn't say like specific you know yeah, you're not anecdotes about, or anything yeah. like that <laughs> you're not thinking of a particular patient who you helped and you know like oh that's so-and-so but yeah right yeah that would be illegal for oh, me unethical. to like put yeah <laughs> put their information in there well I mean you know it's not like obviously if I put their name or something like that which never would do <laughs> yeah you could lose your job there yeah I do like my job so yeah how did you choose that as a career, I mean, music at the same time, but like why, why counseling? Well, yeah, I think they both use similar skills in a weird way. Like um, music and counseling both require a lot of intuition. And I think with songwriting and with therapy, it's like there's no rule book for like this is how you write a song. There's a procedure of like this, this, and this. And similarly, it's like, doing therapy it's not like you say this and then you say that it's like kind of you have to be willing to sort of like dive in and just sort of like let's let's have a conversation but also use your therapy skills so I feel like my intuition and um, ability to to sort of just connect to something unspoken um, really benefits both but um but yeah, I think that it just 
was something I was fascinated in. I took psychology classes and I just like couldn't stop wanting to learn more about like how the mind works, how the brain works, how emotions work. And um, yeah, I think that interest definitely shows up in my songwriting as well. A lot of us weren't as busy in 2020 and 2021, but I bet as a therapist, you might have been busier. Oh, booked and busy. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Virtual virtual meetings, I imagine. Virtual for, for the most part. Now I do a combo, which is nice. I like to have some virtual days because I can, you know, be at home in my home office. Yeah. Like my cats, like a lot of my clients know my cats. <laughs> They'll like show up on screen. That's funny. And then I go into the office when I need a little social interaction. So it actually works out. <laughs> That's great. And as we kind of mentioned earlier, a full-time musician job is actually very tough to maintain. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to make a living uh, as a musician or in anything in the music industry at right. this point. I mean, you know, look at the percentage of pennies you get for a stream now. And, and you know, mm-hmm. back in the day, this is how uh, an artist made money. They sold merchandise and, mm-hmm. and it's still kind of hard to do, especially if mm-hmm. you can't play a gig when there's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Kind of gets in the way. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you didn't give up on either thing. Yeah. Making a living doing the doing the the therapy, but the music is coming. The music is coming August 18th. The CD will be available or just digital? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're doing CDs and digital. <laughs> okay. And vinyl? I don't know if that's... I don't know about vinyl yet. I think maybe like a one-year anniversary. We'll see. Because the, they think... like take so long to make, yeah. and I just like wasn't on it, you know, trying to work like two jobs. It was a lot, but... Um, yeah, the, maybe the, in the future. The bubble might burst on vinyl before you get there. Okay. It might. So maybe it's not a good idea. <laughs> well, personally, I, it's hard to say. I worked in a record store mm-hmm. in 1985 when vinyl was all we had. And then right. CDs came out and I watched the transition and people, you know, oh my God, this is so much better. And now we're going the other direction. I love vinyl. It's a nice experience, you know, reading mm-hmm. the liner notes, looking at the pictures. I did that as a kid. Mm-hmm. I love it. But on the other hand... When you make the records thirty dollars and the CDs are thirteen, like mm-hmm. not everybody can afford the thirty dollar record. So mm-hmm. this is going to come back because eventually this is all we're going to be able to afford. Yes. So yes. <laughs> just keep that in mind. Right. Uh, would you like to do one more? Sure. You want to tell me about what song, or did you? I feel like we got to do "Girl by Choice." We really should. Yeah. <laughs> did you want to? Any any further intro besides what we talked about to it? Um. We might have no, said what I we needed. So. Yeah. yeah. I think we need. We said what we needed. All right.
necessary stuff to be heard things that need to be said <laughs> girl by choice joanna sterling from the album queen of wands due out on the 18th of august though it probably will be available in advance a day early at the arc august 17th it will oh yes. i had a feeling i don't know why you Just... can get the cd a day before everyone else yay and that's a great place to see a show those who are uh, unfamiliar with the arc what are you doing where else are you seeing shows? Seriously. Yes, please come. It's going to be such an amazing night, and we would love to see you there. Great listening room environment there. And uh, thank you so much for, for sharing your stories and your songs, giving me a chance to hear the record first. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I'm such a podcast fan, oh. and now I'm like, oh, I'm on a podcast. You're on a podcast. <laughs> if this is the first time you've checked out the Acoustic Alternatives podcast, there are 
59 others, I believe. Uh, Chris Dupont, we mentioned, has been on. Uh, Kylie Phillips, who uh, they live together now. Uh, Jess Merritt recently was on, and that's uh, been one of my more popular ones of the local music scene. Uh, you can dig deep. You can find a whole bunch of things to listen to, national, uh, international, and local artists. I've got a few more books. I'm looking forward to meeting uh, and I've met Annie Bacon, but Annie Bacon has never been interviewed by me. She's my next guest on the podcast. And I just launched a Patreon page for me. That's kind of an uncomfortable move, but I'm doing it anyway. There's three, five and $10 options. I'm sharing some special content with the five and $10 options. I'm not telling you what it is. You got to sign up to find out what it is, but trust me, it's some pretty cool stuff. Um, and it, because I don't have a sponsor anymore, it is a way I can continue doing this. I'm kind of running out of credits here at Grove Studios. So Grove is a great place. Thanks to Grove Studios for being a home to the podcast since 2020, back when we weren't supposed to be in face-to-face without masks. We were doing it with masks, and I was just saying, okay, take your mask off when you sing. So look for those, and uh, thank you for your support. Thanks to Joanna for being here. Thank you.